You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app, joined by John Schuster. I am Mike Luke. It looks like William Brad Alice is tapping in here as well. Hello there, William. Hello there, fellas. All right, let's go. Let's get to it. Arizona wins 95-78. Um, a couple things. First of all, I want to tip my cap to Southern here um, because a lot of times when overmatched teams come in here, they don't play, uh, they try to switch up their style. They try to do something else just to keep the score respectable. Southern played hard. Southern played fast the entire game. Shoe, I give them a lot of credit for that. Well, you know, in addition to that, and I think I think you're right in that regard. It's one of those uh, games that for both teams there are elements you can take from it and build. But I was also pleased to see that Southern, uh, at least in the first half, decided to do its best impression of Illinois in the 2001 NCAA tournament. Uh, and I think uh, final tally was somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 fouls. Always nice to see a uh, college basketball game on a Friday night go about two hours and 27 minutes long uh, because of the number of fouls and the lack of rhythm as a result. But I think to some degree, what Southern illustrated here is a template that Arizona's going to have to deal with for a good portion of the season. Teams are going to try to see how well Arizona handles pressure and more notably, they're going to see how well Arizona can handle physicality. And I think the Cats are going to get bumped around a lot this year. And uh, they're going to have to be up to the challenge to be able to do that. We're going to see some conflicting styles. Do you worry about, shoot, let me campaign. stop you real quick. Sorry to interrupt you. Let me just stop you real quick. Do you worry about the, you said they're going to get bumped around. Do you worry about the physicality issue? Are you saying that this is more of a finesse team? Is that what you mean right there? I think there's a lot of that. Uh, uh, and... You know, there are there are times where the finesse style works just fine. Arizona's going to win most of the games they play this year. Their style is very difficult from an offensive standpoint. Uh, you know, they've now put together two games where they've scored 117 and 95. Arizona's going to put up a lot of points, and a lot of points is going to cause other teams problems. But I think teams are going to try to get kind of nasty uh, with Arizona and try to do things to disrupt what it is the Cats want to do. And it's up to Arizona to be able to uh, weather those challenges. And what a lot of that means isn't so much how well can Arizona rebound per se, because the Cats have a height advantage. I think the issue with this is how well in the backcourt Arizona is going to be able to hold the ball and limit turnovers when these become half-court games. And I'm not necessarily convinced at this stage uh, how well Arizona is going to do that, but I'm very interested to see over the course of the next three weeks or so when competition ramps up here. Uh, exactly how it is that Arizona answers what I think is going to be a regular approach by the opposition. William? Yeah, you know, I think she, yeah, she hit the nail. 
Ow, nails hurt. I was going to say, William, you froze up right there. No, Brad, no. We want to hear more from Brad. Oh, there we go. Brad's almost back. Talking about losing the ball, have it knocked away when you're down low. So I think, yeah, she's absolutely right. When you have 19 turnovers and what they have the other night, over 20, I think, um, those are big numbers against – you know, teams that aren't as athletic as them. Uh, and tonight, yeah, Southern, a lot of that was created by two things, hustle and physicality. So those are things that, you know, Arizona is going to have to do their best to, to overcome. All right. Let's let's talk. I want to ask a little bit like uh, I want to ask a, uh, talk a little bit about Pella Larson here because I want to break down some of these players here. And um, is Pella Larson the best player on this team? I didn't think going into this year that I, I thought it would probably be Tabellus, but if I just look at it, and again, this is it's very early on in the season. These are two teams that aren't very good that Arizona played. But there is a when you look at it, Pella Larson to me is the easiest guy to pencil in now as being 16 points. Like you said, Shu, five rebounds, four assists. He just he has that feel about him, like you know what you're going to be able to count on with him. Yeah, and I think you can make the argument uh, from game in and game out. If he isn't the best, he's going to be perhaps Arizona's most consistent player. And, you know, you, you like to have those guys on the roster. At some point in the conversation, we have to get past uh, the notion that Larson maybe isn't that athletic. Because, again, he's athletic. he gets wherever he wants on a fairly regular basis and can do a lot of little things, and it's nice to have those guys on the roster. While he's a different style of player, I think, and while I think he's going to score more as well throughout the course of the year, he, he may average about 15 uh, once the season is done. Larson is the closest thing it appears right now, and I think there are other guys on the roster that have an opportunity maybe, maybe to be this. But Larson is the closest guy on the roster who is a direct re- replacement for Dalen Terry's ability to fill a stat sheet. And again, that's a nice thing to have on the roster. And beyond that, Arizona had some other uh, good performances as well, but, the, but Larson's consistency is a good thing to see. I like Larson, but I'm, I find it ironic that we're, we're we're now moving him ahead of the guy who had 20 points in the first half last week right? and was 6 of 9 from the field uh, tonight. So I'm still taking Tabellis as the best player, um, but I like what Larson's doing. And, and Larson, other than his outside shooting tonight, and he, I think he was you know, 0 for 4, but the shot looked good coming off the hand. I thought most of those were, were, were down when he shot him. Um, but yeah, Tabellis has been really, really good. Again, no one his height inferior competition um but you know 20 points in a half or whatever that number was tonight six of nine 17 points you know pushing double figure rebounds um yeah tabellus is tabellus i still think it's tabellus till till larson steals it from him you know what 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 is the rick flair saying shoot to be the man you got to beat the man well hopefully hopefully that isn't larson's approach that would be counterproductive (laughs) Uh, but nevertheless you'd like to see both of those in that conversation i think additionally uh we and i know mike you're ultimately going to get to this um uh carissa had a triple double tonight the second of his career which is excellent and the guy who i think to some degree maybe we're forgetting because he may play a bit of a trickle down that benefits everybody else is that Ballo is really dif- difficult for the opposition to deal with. He, by the way, I, he is massive out there. Massive. I don't know. And he is a, just a big individual. And, and Mike, there just aren't that many people in college basketball that have that size. And, and that's going to be a problem. The concern with Ballo, I think, and Brad will uh, recognize this reference and probably being the clairvoyant that he is, uh, knows where I'm going with this, is uh, 
the well-known Phoenix Suns player from about 30 years ago, Mark West, who we would often joke would get uh, uh, two fouls before he showed up in the arena. It seems that sometimes Ballo is in that category as well, where he he hasn't done anything wrong. He's just big, and the referees just call fouls on him. So you hope he doesn't get into foul trouble. But what he brings on the floor uh, is something that allows Tabellus to flourish and allows other guys like Larson to flourish as well. And I think, you know, Ballo is very important. There are a lot of guys on this roster who are. But Ballo is a guy who is very important. While we're playing the shell game of is it Tabellus and is is it Larson, I think you can make a very strong case for Ballo as well. All right, let's talk a little bit about Kirk Creasa because, again, he did finish with a triple-double tonight. Um, He's uh, my and I've said this all offseason, you know, and uh, we've we've talked about this. I just need him to shoot 40 percent from three, 40 percent from the field. And we're going to be good. Well, I, I think you're good there. I do worry about uh, and you're seeing this a little bit. And I can't really blame him for this because it was mainly the other team that was or other players that were turning it over. I do worry about this team, though, that against pressure, I do worry about the, uh, this team against physical pressure, because when you watch Kerr, when you watch some of the other ball handlers, there isn't a guy that, you know, and again, I don't want to, you know, we grew up spoiled, but there wasn't or I grew up spoiled. You guys are a little bit older than me. Sorry. But, um, you know, century or two. Right. Luke, Luke could give the ball to Mike Bibby or Damon Stoudemire and just say, get the ball up the court. and You didn't have anything to worry about. This team doesn't really have that from a ball handling slash physicality perspective. And, and that Mike, I think is Mike is Ramey, that guy. Um, he's more of a two, but he's going to, he's going to have the ball in his hands. I mean, he, he really is. He's going to have the ball in his hands. Again, I like what I saw from Kerr. But at the same time, though, I do worry against your Tennessees of the world that are going to be coming up, your uh, Arkansas of the world. I think this is something that Arizona's got to figure out for sure. To me, my big question is, and um, did, didn't see every turnover. I'll admit, I was kind of in and out uh, with some things going on. How many of the turnovers are because of the other team's physicality and athleticism? And how much is Arizona getting too cute getting and getting careless i i I saw several where they just threw the ball away at the top of the key with no one really on them you know threw it into the passing lane and and southern just picked it off um you know i'd really like to almost you know i need some advanced analytics or something to tell me how many are forced how many are unforced and how many are just um for lack of a better word ill-advised hot dog passes remember you know, we talk about Luke. Luke used to have to tell Luke Walton to calm down because Luke Walton right. wanted to make everything a behind the back bounce pass. Um, when you know the guys you mentioned, Bibby, as good as he was, didn't have a lot of flash. Right. I mean, he was fundamental. You know, it was just get the ball to guys' hands. His flash came more in his, his you know his ability to score, and even that wasn't you know crazy. Um, you know, your best Arizona point guards are, are have you know Steve Kerr was steady. You know, he had that, what, three-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio by playing within himself. And that team moved the ball like crazy. Um, you know, Creasa likes the hot dog every once in a while. You know, Larson can even be a little careless. So, yeah, I'd like to see that as it develops, how much of this is just Lloyd needs to reel him in a little and how much is a physicality thing and how much is just adjusting and maybe, you know, not taking into account that, you know, for, for a, a low major, you know, Southern is pretty athletic. Speaking of this team right here, I wanted to tell you two things. Sean Schuster has coined the term for Arizona's big man advantage, the four peaks. And again, did you hear about the Swedish pinball? We're going to get to the Swedish pinball here in a minute. But John Schuster has talked about the 
the Four Peaks. Four Peaks Brewery is the official brew also of PHNX. All right, so here's the deal. There is an away game watch party tomorrow at Tap and Bottle downtown. That means that you can show up there and get Four Peaks at Tap and Bottle. You also, if you're up in Phoenix, because we know there are Phoenicians on this show, we don't hold that against you, but you can also go to the Four Peaks Brewery there. You can get all kinds of deals. You can get discounts. It's good stuff. Again, enjoy responsibly. 21 and up. Um, if I almost said if you got a gambling problem, call 800 next step. But uh, <laughs> if you got a gambling problem, that. go to Tap and Bottle. Right, just yeah, but show up again. We'll be down there again. We'll have four peaks down there on tap as well, or you know, not on tap, but it'll be down there. And one other thing, the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. All right, you might say, Mike, what does that mean? I hear you saying it. Here's what it means: new customers can bet five dollars on any NBA money line and get two hundred dollars and uh, if your team wins. You can also boost your winnings up to 100%, 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Again, code word PHNX. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. If you wanted to make some money on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, I would suggest taking the over with the way that the Tommy gun gets up and down the court right there. So, all right. Now, looking at this team then, there was a couple other things I wanted to get to. Um, well, there's uh, quite a few things. Um, this team is deep. I think that's going to help this team because, again, I think there's about seven or eight guys on this team that can really play. I don't think that Borovicin or Dylan Anderson are going to get major minutes against good teams. But I think you already know now that you've got about a seven or an eight-man rotation. You've got Krisa. You've got Ramey when he comes back. You've got Cedric Henderson, you got a Julius Tabellis, you got Ballo, you got Ball, and you've got uh, you got Vasar. And then, you know, after that, and Larson in there, obviously. That, to me, is basically your eight right there. And um, it's going to be on them to be able to figure out what, uh, because this second half was ugly against Southern. It, it was, and Southern outscored them. That shouldn't ever happen, no matter how much you get up. It's not that the first half was particularly pretty either, but at least right. Arizona did enough to be offensively impressive to get the 49 points. Uh, and and Southern had a lot to do with that. I think Arizona was at the foul line something like 25 times uh, or, or so. And, um, you know, it was... We bring uh, out your best vices yeah, it was here. A rough night. Hey, as far as vices are concerned, at least uh, uh, tonight's game uh, was the over, although Arizona did not cover the spread. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Uh, it was probably worth more or less, depending on whether you bet on the DraftKings app. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the depth issue is something I think Arizona's fine. And in some of these games, I think that's going to be important because Arizona has 20 fouls that it can use on, on the inside. And that gives them an opportunity to go to the bench, especially on the interior if things get tough in some of, uh, in some of these more competitive games. The concern that I have is where they are uh, from a wing standpoint. Uh, Ball at this stage, I think, is a guy who has all kinds of potential, but still seems to be closer to inconsistent than he is uh, the guy who can uh, be a surprise performer on a consistent basis. Right, if right. he develops as this year progresses, I think that's good news for Arizona. And you got Bosworth and Henderson in there, and of course Larson, who is a 2-3 or can play a variety of uh, uh, potential positions. But Arizona on the wing, I think, is going to be an area where the elite teams might have an advantage and it's, and, and the cats are going to have to try to figure something else uh, out to be able to uh, uh, counter that. 
as efficiently as possible. Because I, I think while they're deep and there are a lot of bodies who can play, that's an area that they don't necessarily excel well enough uh, to get to the level that perhaps we'd like to see. Again, well, it's understandable. You... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. It's understandable. You're losing Matherin. You're losing Terry, et cetera. Those are huge losses. And I think it's the area where Arizona's a little bit behind the curve, at least as far as uh, things look right now. William, what do you think of Boswell? I think he's been good. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, considering he was out as long as he was and nursing the the knee injury. Um, you know, he I've been gives, impressed. He gives them a legit ninth guy. Uh, we might see them go eight and a half because remember, you know, Ramey's not back yet. Um, but he's a guy I think by the end of the year is going to be fighting for minutes and and making Tommy Lloyd maybe have to make some interesting decisions. I think the good news for Boswell is actually what Shoot is talking about. In reality, Arizona is a three-guard team. Um, you know, they don't have, you know, what, what's Henderson? Six, 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 seven? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but he's not a long, you know, he's he's not he's not as, he's, he almost plays smaller in a weird way and bigger than he is. Bigger because he's physical, smaller because he's not that long, Arizona wing that Matherin and Terry were last year. Right. So in reality, you know, Larson and, and, and even though balls kind of built that way, balls game is very much of a, of a combo guard. So you kind of lack that real long athletic um, wing that, that they had a plethora of last year. Well, and that's um, the thing. But, but you make up with that because I think again, unlike, you know, and I, when we talk about three guard offenses, I think we automatically kind of gravitate towards 94, but that was a team that was like 5'10", 6'2", 6'3". Right. This is, you know, 6'3", could be 6'3", 6'5", 6'5", and, you, you know, you you resemble the quote-unquote three guard offense that maybe you had in 97, 98. Uh, even Dickerson was a little bigger than that. Uh, plus, you're not going with an undersized four like a Rayo's. You're going with two seven-footers or three seven-footers in reality. So, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think Shu makes some good points that they do lack that guy, and there are going to be some teams with those NBA wings that Arizona may have some matchup issues with, but conversely, there are going to be some teams that are going to have trouble matching up with Arizona when they go three, and sometimes you know they may even go with that really small lineup with Henderson at the four. And like you said, you got and Brad, you've always said this uh, that you know that it's point that it's uh, that it's small forward you. And you look at the best teams in school history here. I mean, you you look at any of the Final Four teams. Obviously, eighty eight, you have Sean Elliott. Ninety four, you had the guards, but like you said, you had Reggie there, which is kind of a jack of all trades there. Ninety seven, I mean, you know, you got a pluff, you got Dickerson, you got Simon, you got, and then 01, you got R J, you got Gilbert Arenas, and then even you look at the best teams that Miller had. You would have a Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You would have a uh, an Aaron Gordon. You would have a, a Solomon Hill, a Stanley Johnson. Even you know, Derek Williams, like, who played the four, was far more a three. Exactly. You would have guys. You would have guys like that. So that is an interesting point, though, about the. I, I don't want to say lack of athleticism, but la- well, because Pell is a Pell Larson. I think is a pretty good athlete. I think that we we established, but there isn't that six foot seven. Kind of, you know, get out of my way. I'm going to do what I need to do on the defensive side type player on this squad. And I think the big question comes down to, and last year we did not, Lloyd, and I like this about Lloyd, Lloyd more often than not dictates matchups. Um, He's going to make you try to guard his guys. Um, So 
if you want to throw that six, seven guy out there and it might, he might be dangerous for Arizona's defense, but you got to keep up with Arizona going small or Arizona going very big with that front line. Uh, Hey, that PAC 12 net logo is really lighting up my face right now. Um, (laughs) Right. So, yeah. So I think that's to Lloyd's advantage, you know, and and Lute used to do this in a different way. He'd let one guy burn you. He's not going to let three guys burn you. So if that six, seven guys, the matchup nightmare, well, Arizona tries to create a matchup nightmare at the, the one, the two, the, you know, the three, uh, you know, and and then that post position where a lot of teams are going to have trouble with, you know, like she said, Balo, a lot of guys are going to have trouble with, when you bring Balo and uh, Vesar or Tabellus out there, because you're suddenly, you know, seven foot, seven foot, or you're seven foot, six, 11. Um, those are going to be very tough matchups for people. But, you know, Arizona's going to struggle when those six, seven long athletic NBA, you know, three and D type wings come out on the court. So what I think one of the things that Arizona is going to have to do, uh, especially Mike and, and and Brad, when the teams that you noted, that like Tennessee, like Arkansas, and there are going to be others on the roster as well. I think this is going to be, for teams that try this, a reasonably common thread. You're actually going to need big guys to be more effective, to be safety valves on that uh, against the pressure defense. And that's some, something that Arizona can do. Now, once you get the basketball into their hand, just on the other side, near the top of half court, then they can at least hopefully get you into the offense to some degree, and they have to be tough enough not to lose the ball. But I think what you're going to see, there's going to be a concern in the backcourt against pressure if Arizona appears to be lazy in that regard, but they can go to safety valves at least with height, and hopefully that safety valve can at least get them into some sort of offensive flow. All right. A couple things got to tell you about. More furniture. MORfurniture.com, not M-O-R-E furniture, M-O-R-Furniture.com. Remember it. They've redone the entire PHNX studios. I went up there to check it out for myself to be able to, because when you think Mike Luke, you think somebody, you think interior design. You think, I mean, you can just tell by looking into my background where I'm at in the grand scheme. I mean, you back the A in the background. <laughs> the back of the A is there. And you know what? More furniture backs the A because at the same time, they endorse PHNX. Check it out, though. All kinds of good stuff right there. And the game t- game time. Now, William Brett Alice, a little bit of a procrastinator, a very talented man, but a little bit of a procrastinator. Let's just say that William Brett Alice has a... Uh, a son that's pretty good, pretty big kid, pretty good at sports. And he says, you know what? I'd like to go to this game with Tyler. Maybe the Chiefs are coming into town. And and William didn't realize until the last minute that they were going to be in town. And he says, I can't find tickets anywhere. William would go to the game time app. And then he would go on there and he would say, man, not only am I going to get tickets for Tyler and myself, we're going to get it at 60% off. That's what it is. Check the link in the description. Help us out. Get your stuff through the link in the description. How about that for both of those reads by bringing everybody into the equation? Remarkable skill set right there. You know, I'm glad you read the show notes for details. <laughs> one John Schuster invited me to a concert this week, and I had a uh, an obligation. Queensryche, that, right? Queensryche and, and Judas Priest, and had that concert ended early. I was going to jump on game time and uh, see if I couldn't join you for the show, but it didn't work out. Had to, had uh, to let's get to Kobe, Kobe Thiel's point here. And again, this kind of goes to the physicality aspect here, uh, guys. Against physical teams, Zoo and Ballo need to be demolition man down, down low. If your opponent's big is in foul trouble and own them, you can't pressure as much if you don't have your bigs backing up. I agree with him. This, to me, needs to be the one thing you go, in, you go into each game knowing that our big men or Arizona's big men are bigger than the other are and are better 
than the other teams. Now, last year, kind of your trump card was Ben Matherin because generally Ben Matherin was going to be the best player on the court. He was the one that gave you that real margin for error. This year, it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to have to, uh, I think you're going to have to rely on those guys. To me, it's to me, they both face a little bit of separate issues here. Um, with uh, um, with Ballo, how is he going to do against quicker big, uh, quicker big men, guys that are your six eight two? 25 types and with uh with Tabellus, how's he going to do against physical guys like we saw against tcu in houston that are looking to elbow him in the back and i don't think we know that yet probably not at this stage i think uh and you know and and, and like kb noted that you know a lot of those other teams are going to have to deal with those aspects because ballo and Tabellus, you don't have front lines like that in a lot of college basketball some are able to counter that obviously I think Arizona's advantage isn't necessarily with those two. It's that they can go with two other guys on the bench if something doesn't quite go right with Tabellus and Ballo or one of them gets into foul trouble. And that kind of depth and attrition, I think, is something that uh, in key close games can hopefully work to Arizona's advantage, even if some of those other elements uh, become problematic. The fact that Arizona's got four big guys that you can go to is something that's a luxury that a lot of other teams just don't have. Right. Don't forget also get Henderson. I mean, if you do have that six, 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 seven uh, athletic four, um, that might be a, a Henderson 25, 30 minute game instead of a 20 minute game um, because he can match up with those guys. What I'll be interested about Henderson is can he play? And we saw the kid for, for Southern. He's just a lesser version. Who is what six six two? I was going to say that's a great point. Yes, but can Henderson play the Houston guys who are six seven two forty? Um, you know those tight ends who play who play for a lot of the teams in the Big Twelve. Can he play those guys? Because I think he can play for the most part. And I'm going to use you know Jordan Bell types. You know that long great great comparison. Great comparison. He can guard that guy, or Mm. at least you know be competent. But can he guard, you know, the, the that six seven guy who again looks more like an NFL tight end or, or D end than he does a, a power forward or a small forward? And that's, you know, but maybe the, at that point you just do stick ball on him, and then you got a seven foot one version of that guy guarding him. So I think Arizona's versatile enough. It would be nice to have, um, you know, maybe a guy like Anderson who does look like he might be a step quicker at some, in the future than those other bigs to guard those type of guys. He's not there yet. Um, you know, or, or even, even a, a Borovichinen who might be that guy in the future. Um, so yeah, so that could be one of those tough matchups in which case you hope that the fact that that six, seven guy has to guard Balo is just as big a mismatch, if not a bigger mismatch. I think in the end here, they have bodies. And that's and that's the thing that, uh, you know, if you're looking at this uh, situation where, well, what if Tabellus goes up against A, B, C or D and Ballo goes up against A, B, C and right. D, that that's, you know, uh, potentially going to be an issue from time to time. But there are some teams, but not that many teams that can stroll out a seven footer off the bench who's competent, not as good as the other two, but competent. And another seven-footer off the bench who's probably a year away but can still buy you minutes here and there or pick up fouls here and there. Maybe you need to put somebody at the foul line occasionally. And you've got you you have fouls to use in those sorts sorts of situations. So I sort of expect that Arizona's I think Arizona's size overall 
is going to be the, the key to their success this year because they do have an opportunity uh, to go a little bit deeper than a lot of other teams do. And they've got two guys who start who are on the front line who are pretty darn skilled. That was going to be my next question I was going to ask you. And Brad, I'll let you hop, I'll let you put in there. What is this team's, uh, after watching a couple games, and I know we talked about this earlier, what does this team's upside feel like to you? And what is their floor, for lack of a better term? You know, I still think the upside, if, if everything falls into place, is, is they can be a, a, a top seven, top eight type team who has a legit shot at the third weekend. Right. Um, they've got a long way to go, but, you know, they they don't lack much other than that six, seven, you know, except for Ben Matherin, but a lot of teams lack Ben Matherin. Right. But the fact is, one thing I think is very interesting is with with Anderson being your fourth guy, most of your elite teams, this is a, we're seeing a new, we're seeing a shift in college basketball with a lot of the elite teams having bigs because the bigs aren't getting drafted early. Right. So you have guys who are legit five-star bigs who 20 years ago are the number one, you know, Baycott, um, you know, the big kid at, at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys are coming back to school because they're not getting drafted high. Um, so Arizona though can now take, take on a Carolina and throw four guys at Baycott. And I know Carolina has other bigs. Um, So I think that is very important for Arizona if they are going to make, you know, a deep run, assuming all the other things click into place. To me, their floor, you know, without injury is is probably, you know, a six or seven seed. Um, A team that, you know, just can't quite beat the good teams. In, in those late games, you know, who are going to fall to t- twice in Maui, who are going to lose, you know, get you know, to UCLA and, and, and maybe in Oregon. Um, but I, and I think more likely they're, they're somewhere in between. Um, but this is, I think this is a better team, much like last year than the national pundits are, are, are giving credit for. And I, and I understand why when you lose three NBA draft picks, um, and bring in a bunch of guys who no one has seen because they play international. You know, there's that one guy from ESPN, but you know, most of your, your, your <laughs> right. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you're 24 seven, your scout. Those guys aren't seeing a whole lot of NBA summit games. You know, they're not going to Spain to watch Vessar play uh, for his, you know, U 17 team or whatever. Um, so there is that mystery factor to Arizona. Um, again, uh, how does Henderson fit and things like that? So, but yeah, I think if everything clicks, I think Arizona has the ability to, because again, they go, if, if, you know, Ramey's as good as we hope he is and Boswell's your ninth guy, Dylan Anderson's out of the rotation. Again, we, we've talked about this. Dylan Anderson starts for Oregon state, right? I mean, he's their prize recruit. Yeah. He's starting for six or seven teams. He's probably starting for ASU. Um, and he's not going to see the floor much for Arizona. Uh, and in that regard, this reminds me a lot of a loot team that used to have two or three guys outside the rotation who seven Pac-10 teams would kill to have. We get, we're getting a lot of smart people asking about Courtney Ramey. And again, I think Schuster, uh, Schuster made a point that I've stolen a few times on the podcast where you said, steal just away. Walk- yeah, I know I will steal. I stole the Swedish pinball. I stole the four peaks. Um, I came up with Tommy gun, but Tommy guns kind of a natural thing, but, uh, those are all Schuster, but um, a bunch of people now asking Courtney Ramey, how does he impact this team? And outside of having that six foot six Richard Jefferson type out there, I think having kind of that six two athletic bulldog 
guard back there that can guard, you know, one through three if needed be or need be. I think that's kind of what Arizona needs right now. I'm excited to see what Ramey can bring when he is inserted into the lineup. If Ramey is the true combo guard that I think he is, that I saw in those, you know, handful of games, and I didn't see him play a lot, that becomes important because it gives Arizona a real versatility where you can throw him at the one if Kerr is hot from behind the arc and, and kind of kind of set Kerr Crease up to take a few extra shots, let him run the, the offense. If he can, again, yeah, be that physical, what is he, 23? I mean, he's in his, what, fifth or sixth yeah, year? I can't remember. for sure. Um, and you're taking on a bunch of 18 to 19, you know, you know there's a difference in, in grown man strength than there is in, you know, most your average 18 year old. And, and there's, that's one of the reasons you've seen, you know, these teams that have these older backcourts, you know, I mean, uh, I would say, uh, you know, Tiger at UCLA is that guy too. They're just grown men going up against sometimes kids and you can push them around. We saw Houston do that to Arizona last year. Houston had a lot of fourth and fifth year guys. So I think that becomes a very versatile player where he can run the point. He can be the two guard. I think he can score when you need him to. Uh, he can defend when you need him to. If he's willing to accept that Swiss Army knife role, that jack of all trades, but as a starter, I think that pays huge dividends for Arizona. Shoot. It, it seems that uh, Arizona has a lot of those uh, all trades kinds of guys, versatile pieces that you can plug into a variety of different places here and there, guys who can fill stat sheets. But what they don't have so far and there's the potential of it with Bosworth and Henderson, but what they don't really have consistently. Boswell, shoot. Uh, thank you. Uh, Not Brian Bosworth. Okay, well, that's too bad uh, because, well, that that's kind of the problem because it's like a Bosworth-type character right now. One of Arizona's fears is that you get run over by Bo Jackson's. Uh, so <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. That's awesome. Yes. You don't need, you, you don't want that from a college basketball standpoint right. when one of your announcers mis, uh, mistakes your name. Uh, but you, but, if Ramey can be that kind of physicality, that that kind of physical guy, that that sort of nasty, tough uh, entity, yeah, come in that the back court, then uh, yeah, then, then then I think that's very helpful, and it's something that Arizona maybe misses so far. And if he if can he provide a little a, bit of consistency, yes, Mike, if, this is going to be good. I just know it. I can tell. Oh no, no, no. There's no, there's no tongue in cheek here. But no. if he could be a poor man's Reggie Geary. No, I, I want him to be I a mean, rich man's uh, Kyer. Well, now, now with uh, now, now with with NIL, I don't know who's got what money. What's so, better? A, what's better, a rich man's Kyer or a poor man's Reggie Geary? Uh, what if they're the same person? They might be the same person. They might hey, be. So if Boswell good this year, can he be the sheriff of Fansville? I mean, can we just go ahead and? <laughs> Sorry, for sure. <laughs> All right, guys. So also tap and bottle. No days off here for PHNX. We're going to have an 8 o'clock watch party tomorrow. They're going to stay open. Arizona's playing UCLA, giving the people what they want. Arizona football at Tap and Bottle. Um, come check it out. we got four peaks there, down there as well. Mountain Mike's Pizza, a new sponsor, will be down there as well. Should be a great time. I'm going to be down there. You know what? Uh, love to see all of you down there. We've had some pretty good showings, so appreciate you all. But before we sign off here, guys, Summation, in summation, what did you see? What concerns you? What did you like? I guess my concern was the fouls. And I know some of that's, you know, everyone's talked about Arizona giving up. What did they give up? You know, 
but they held him to 36% shooting. The problem is they gave, they gave him 30 trips. When was the last time a visiting team that wasn't a top 10 team shot 30 free throws and, you know, or made 20 free throws in McHale? Um, you know, that's 20 free points. If, if you half that, uh, suddenly uh, that, that point spread looks a lot more juicy uh, for those uh, DraftKings people. But, um, you know, that to me, that and the turnovers are the concerns. You know, the good news is they look deep. They, again, when when uh, Ramey gets here, they're going to go nine deep or at least eight and a half deep uh, with, with, with Boswell, depending on what his actual roles are. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged by Arizona, but they got a lot to clean up. But that's why you play Southern. And that's why, the, mm-hmm. yeah, unfortunately, that's why Arizona wasn't like Gonzaga playing Michigan State tonight. Right. I think sure. there's a, there's there. This is going to be, I think, a relative tendency throughout college basketball over the course of the next couple of months. There's going to be a lot of wild inconsistency out there and a lot of movement. And you're looking at how these things gel probably closer to January and February. Arizona's going to go through some of those consistency issues as well. I think the thing that is a reason to have concern is that pressure issue. I think this is, you know, if you're what you can get out of. Uh, video in the first couple games is hard to say uh, if you're the opposition, but I think one of the things you get out of what Southern attempted and had some success doing is that the potential is there for Arizona to be pushed around a little bit. And how is Arizona going to react to that? It doesn't mean you need to push back. If you just score buckets and you run your stuff well, then you're going to take care of that. But, you know, there are going to be situations where Arizona is going to be pressured at an uncomfortable level and they're going to have to have the physicality and the wherewithal to be able to work through that. All right, everybody out there, really appreciate all your comments. We'll be back with you tomorrow, probably about midnight. And we're all stone cold. Yep, exactly. There we go for Brad Alice. Really appreciate you hopping on. Schuster, I'm Mike Luke. And everybody, all the comments, you guys are the ones that make the show go. Really appreciate you all. We will be back with you tomorrow. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.